0: This is episode number 49 with America's Healthy Heart Doc, Joel Kahn. Welcome to Growth Mindset University. My name is Jordan Paris, 21-year-old author and host of this show. And with this show, you and I will embark on a journey to learn the things that we should have learned in school but did not so that we may take control of our lives while fulfilling our vision of success. Each episode will feature a brand new lesson, and now it's time for today's lesson. So put your thinking cap on, because school is now in session. All right. My guest today, I heard him on my friend Steve Jordan's podcast, I heard him on the Joe Rogan Experience, and I heard him on Dave Asprey's podcast, and I was intrigued. I had to bring him on the show. I had to reach out to him. So, who is this guy? He's Dr. Joel Kahn. Dr. Joel Kahn is a practicing cardiologist and a clinical professor of medicine at Wayne State University School of Medicine. He graduated summa cum laude from the University of Michigan Medical School, which means he got over a 4.0. Not a 4.0, he got over a 4.0. Known as America's Healthy Heart Doc, Dr. Khan has double board certification in internal medicine and cardiovascular medicine. He was the first physician in the world to certify in metabolic cardiology with A4M and MMI, and the University of South Florida. Dr. Kahn has authored scores of publications in his field, including articles, book chapters, and monographs. He writes health articles and has five books in publication, including Your Whole Heart Solution, Dead Execs Don't Get Bonuses, and The Plant-Based Solution. He has regular appearances on Dr. Phil, The Doctor Show, Dr. Oz, Larry King now, and two months ago, he was on the Joe Rogan Experience. He has been awarded a Health Hero Award from Detroit Crane's business. He owns three health restaurants in Detroit and Austin, Texas. And my, oh my, is this a good one. The lesson that he leaves us with, that he teaches, is understanding our arterial age and how to prevent and reverse heart disease, as well as maximize our health and live longer quality lives. We talked about some interesting medical studies in the field of nutrition, and it's worth noting he is vegan. He's been vegan since he was 18 years old, and we talked about the case for not eating meat, as well as an all-meat diet, a 100% meat diet. We talked about what causes heart disease, how big a problem it is, how it can be diagnosed early, which is incredibly important, how heart disease can be prevented, and the role of diet, lifestyle, and supplements in heart disease. And now without further ado, let me introduce to you the vegan cardiologist who authored a book, titled, Vegan Sex, and who has been proclaimed by PETA as the sexiest vegan over 50, Dr. Joel Kahn. All right, Dr. Joel Kahn, it is a pleasure to have you on the show, America's Healthy Heart Doc.
1: I'm trying, buddy, because God knows we still got the number one problem for health in the United States and the Western world. So I'm proud to carry that banner and uh, share some thoughts with you today.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I I feel a kindred spirit with you, Dr. Khan, because uh, as I told you, you know, beforehand, a couple minutes ago, my father is a doctor. He's a general surgeon. My mom's a nurse. My uh, uncles are chiropractors. A lot of doctors, a lot of health, a lot of a lot of health running in, in my family, so I feel a like kindred spirit with you. Uh, my first question for you, did I get this correct? You were, um, you've been a vegan since you were 18 years old.
1: Yeah, two or three years. Do I look at it? No, I'm not. <laughs> it's been uh, going on my 42nd year of never eating animal products, and I'm not in the protein deficiency unit yet.
0: Right on. Uh, yeah, what well, that's that's something that a lot of people sort of are concerned about when going vegan. Where do you get your protein?
1: Yeah, and I'll just say my journey was an uninspiring story of very bad uh, University of Michigan dormitory food. First week, I saw a salad bar, and I thought I was a salad baritarian. I started reading a few books as a medical student and realized this is actually called vegan or vegetarian or the word plant-based hadn't really come in. And uh, I just felt so good. I made the decision early, stayed with it. And then in medical school and cardiology training, I said, aha, there's actually something to this beyond my own personal journey. So probably one of the few cardiologists can say every single patient I've ever seen from the day I started has at least heard about the potential benefits of changing their diet, their nutrition, their program, and many have adopted it, and my patients are all alive, nobody's ever had a problem, and they're all 112 years old, Uh, but they're doing very well. It is a very powerful tool. So protein, actually, it's really cool because we're flipping the paradigm. If you look at the latest research, I just was at um, University of Southern California at the first annual conference on longevity and fasting. And I was a very lucky person to be invited and I spoke. But the world's leading scientists, leading scientists on the science of fasting, the science of longevity, the science of aging, you heard more there than you've ever heard before: low protein, low protein, low protein and advantage, till so perhaps you're in your 70s in life. And there was actually a stunning lecture by a researcher at Harvard. Friedman was his last name, uh, who felt that the majority of the advantage of a vegetarian and vegan dietary choice is lower intake of protein as an advantage. Take that and put that in your Funk and Wagnall, as they used to say a long time ago. Because I, you know, one theory has been protein is made of amino acids. There's only twenty of them. Some we can make. Some are essential. We have to get from our diet. But if you eat a steak or you eat a slice of tempeh. The percentages of the amino acids are not the same, even though they are all both made of amino acids, uh, the, at least the protein that's within meat and the protein that's within tempeh or a soybean. They're not all protein. And um, the ratios are different. There's something called methionine, and leucine, and isoleucine, more common in meat. And There's some reason to believe they're aging and disease-promoting amino acids in excess, and there are other amino acids um, Lysine and proline and such, which probably built strong bodies and healthy bodies. He presented data. He didn't so much see differences in a very large database as to the specific amino acid, but that in general, vegetarian and vegan plant-based diets were much lower overall in protein, and it was an advantage by many parameters of aging. So to answer your question, I don't stress about it. Uh, There are no protein-deficient people. They get adequate calories in the United States. It doesn't exist. If you're eating 500 calories a day, you could be protein deficient if you do it long-term, but not if you're eating 2,000, 2,400 calories a day, as most people do. But I get them from legumes, beans, peas, and lentils, beans, peas, and lentils. If you've ever heard of Dr. Steve Gundry, if you ever heard of the Plant Paradox, you should take that book, put it in the toilet, and flush it.
0: Look, oh shredder. my gosh, it's right here, yeah. Put wow. it in
1: your shredder. That's right. If you have a table that's unstable, you can put it under your table to restore some balance. The book is one of the biggest fraudulent scams there's ever been written by a a respected cardiac surgeon, an MD who I know. He trained at the University of Michigan. I trained at the University of Michigan. He's 10 years older than me. He had a great career as a cardiac surgeon, but that's when the word great had to be stopped used by him because the book is so scientifically wrong and so fraught with errors. Uh, just go read his book, check the references, go to the library, you'll find that none of the references match.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. I actually did it's, that. Yep.
1: Yeah. And uh, I've called him out for it. I've had the chance to debate him on national TV and in other settings, but uh, he's a machine. He's a three, $400 million dollar year vitamin machine. And there's no stopping him when he confuses the public. It's probably the single most common question I get is not where you get your protein, but After the plant paradox, you know, what do we do now that I can't eat beans anymore? And I like, you know, blue zones, legumes—the number one common food amongst all these longevity pockets in the world. Some studies show that the food most associated with longevity in people over age 70 is actually how many legumes, beans, peas, lentils, eggplant, and tomato. So I'm off track, but I don't worry about it. But I eat a lot of legumes every day. I love snacking on. Not raw beans, nobody eats raw kidney beans, you'd have, you'd have no teeth, uh, but on well-cooked beans I eat all the day long, uh, I'm, I'm all for organic soybeans, they're great, uh, nice condiment and salads, if they're edamame or tempeh, or a little bit of tofu here and there, uh, you know, and grains, and I, I actually like green algae. I enjoy a little spirulina, chlorella, they're unbelievably high in spirulina. protein.
0: Yes. I, I, it would make sense because I mean these beans and legumes. I mean they're whole foods. They're quite literally whole foods. It would make sense that they're healthy. And uh, going back to protein, I, it's my I my opinion is that we're proteinaholics in America. It's a little too much stress on protein, and and then we pour this you know these these protein supplements down our throats. I mean people did not have that. A thousand years ago, they weren't. They it's we're. It's really unprecedented the amount of protein that we are consuming, and then there is whey protein in specific that boosts insulin-like growth factor IGF one. That uh that that yes, it, it, it that's why bodybuilders use it. Right, because and correct me if I trip up, but um it it, it, it makes you get big. Sure but it also is correlated, it causes um, you, know, you, you die earlier. <laughs> you know, people with high IGF well, die earlier, correct? Uh, you?
1: Yeah, you know, that you're hitting some very sophisticated points that were discussed again at this conference in Los Angeles a few weeks ago, and um, you know, uh, there is a hormone that you need as a child to grow in something like growth factor one, but as you're in your adult years, uh, if you measure that, which it is a lab test people could ask for, and it's a growth factor if you're very high, you probably have a bad diet, very high in meats, uh, because those are the triggers, uh, amino acid and high protein generally from animal foods. And if you cut out and lower it, you will lower your IGF-1. Now, it may not necessarily be ideal to have the lowest IGF-1 in America every day of your life, uh, one of the most interesting eating plans out now, and the one that was presented in Los Angeles again, but has been available to the public for two and a half years, is something called the Fasting Mimicking Diet, Fasting Mimicking Diet by Dr. Walter Longo, University of Southern California, where he purposely created a five-day very low-protein diet. So you drop your IGF-1 for five, six, seven days, and then as you go back on your usual diet, it probably will start to come up as you reintroduce hopefully some plant protein foods, and maybe some small amounts of animal protein-based foods. Um, and it may be very good to lower it for a while and uh, slow down as from the aging process and activate this regenerative process we have called autophagy. And then if you settle back up to an average amount, but you're right, jacking up protein. And there is a book called Proteinaholic by bariatric surgeon Garrett Davis. It's an absolutely amazingly referenced book and great reference to read of maybe now two years duration in terms of when it was published. Uh, But I agree with you that chicken, I need chicken to lift weights and I got to grill chicken. I got to eat chicken when chicken, you know, for most people is made in factory farms full of antibiotics and hormones and E. coli and um, other, uh, you know, just horrible ways that it's produced. So it's, it's been a great sell to the American public. That's very harmful and destructive of, Everything, our waterways, our environment, and our very health.
0: Exactly, uh, Dr. Khan. There was something in uh, that I heard on the Joe Rogan experience when you were on Joe Rogan uh, about two months ago now that really just caught me. Yeah, <laughs> very nice, nice sticker. Is, is that what it is? was? That a sticker? Uh, coffee, you know. Uh, oh, uh, a yeah. On, yeah. Very cool. Did he give that to you?
1: He turned his back and ended up oh, in my briefcase.
0: I don't know that. Oh, a- oh, Hi, Siri. <laughs> that was that was uh, Amazon. Oh, Alexa. Yeah, that was, that Alexa. was Alexa. Yeah. Uh, if it, you ask, ask
1: Alexa what Dr. Khan thinks about diet, actually, I have a little program now. You can ask Alexa questions. Oh, next. really?
0: Yeah. I actually
1: don't even know. Uh,
0: what does Dr. I- Khan think about uh, diet? Uh, hmm. I don't know that one. <laughs> I, I
1: think you have to pay $1.99 a month to be uh, part of that program. It's a trial beta oh, test. So gotcha. It'll be really
0: gotcha. Good. Maybe I just yeah. didn't hit the keywords either. But anyway, um, okay, so on Joe Rogan, that, that's never happened before. That was interesting. On Joe Rogan, you said uh, you put plant protein and animal protein in a Petri dish with breast cancer cells. and what happens after that do you know what i'm talking about yeah you
1: know there's yeah i do there's actually like i had three three really interesting answers number one is in humans with prostate cancer they have for three months give up animal products and start eating whole food plant-based diets you can actually take the blood of those patients, and then you can take control blood with prostate cancer that continue to eat a, their average diet. Drip it in petri dishes with prostate cancer cells. The blood of the people eating plant diets will kill cancer cells like chemotherapy, and it doesn't happen with the regular blood of regular eaters. Eight times more kill rate with the very blood, as if you can make your blood chemotherapy by jacking up antioxidants and immune defenses and natural killer cells that 's one number two that study's not been done in humans with breast cancer it 's had to be done in petri dishes where you 've got breast cancer cells growing and you just drop animal protein or plant protein in the petri dish and there there is a proliferation of growth with the animal protein maybe by activating igf one and it doesn 't happen with plant proteins and uh, the last part is there actually now are human studies and these are what are called association studies. They don't have double-blind randomized studies of you eat animal protein, you eat uh, plant protein, and we'll follow you for five years. Those are human studies that just can't be done. But um, these studies do show that uh, the rate of cancer, the rate of survival, are remarkably better. This is a young Harvard researcher named Morgan Levine, PhD, and anybody can go read her paper of 2014, 2016. But if you want to maximize your chance of being free of cancer, free of heart disease, and have a long healthy life, you don't want to get on this proteinaholic bandwagon, particularly if you're amping it up with chicken and with red meat and certainly processed red meat. Oh, yo,
0: Certainly, yeah. The, I mean, the, the drugs and antibiotics in these processed meats are disgusting. And um, so there's a sort of, uh, diet going around right now with, and you know what I'm going to say. I want to say the name uh, Jordan Peterson. And uh, what is the case for this all meat diet? Yeah, I call my diet's the carnivore diet, and that's the
1: carnivore diet. Exactly. It's, uh, one letter away, but it makes all difference. So it's not quite quite clear when there actually is a a paper. To be fair, I always go to science when we can. There's a paper, I think it's in 1933, of two guys who were being studied by scientists and ate only meat for a year, and they actually had measurements that were available of body weight and cholesterol and all, and they actually didn't die, and they had trouble with their bowels and some other things, but it wasn't actually shown that they did as poorly as one would think with no fruits, no vegetables and such. Um, and I'm not sure there are people 20 years ago, 15 years ago, who kind of picked up on this. Uh, a couple bodybuilders are out there, I'm blanking on their name, their husband and wife team, probably 15 years meat only diet. But somehow about two years ago, it kind of broke into the public uh, view via social media and such. And you're right, world famous author Jordan Peterson, struggling with depression, adopted an all meat diet and reports that his body weight, physical health, and mental uh, status is remarkably better. His daughter, daughter Michaela Peterson, with juvenile rheumatoid arthritis and joint replacements, lovely girl, uh, got dramatically better after many other attempts to find something beyond just powerful medication. And now there's like tens of thousands, maybe more people, on Facebook user groups and Twitter. There's the orthopedic surgeon from New Mexico, Sean Baker, MD, who promotes this, and man, they're militant, and they're ugly, actually, they're ugly in their tone and their attitude, they're, uh, not all of them, but uh, certainly Sean Baker, uh, who I did do a podcast with, and we had a very civil conversation for 90 minutes, but his general tone is so aggressively, I would say hyper-testosterone, but he published his labs, and after slightly more than a year of eating only meat, he was nearly diabetic, very low testosterone an LDL 12 150, which I wouldn't want, but he seems rather satisfied with it. So I don't know how it's working out so well for him, uh, but he claims it is, uh, the numbers don't indicate that. But it is out there. Now, there's a fad a minute, um, you know, I respect more. Sean Baker did it just to be contrary as far as I can tell. But you know, when Michaela Peterson said, my juvenile rheumatoid arthritis has been remarkably better. Okay, it deserves some study. I question, what if she had gone to True North in Santa Rosa, California, did a water fast under medical supervision, transitioned to an organic whole food diet, changed her microbiome in that uh, somewhat more scientifically supported way, which she have done just as well and favored that long term, her arteries and her brain and everything would be better protected by a high fruit and vegetable diet. But uh, they're choosing to use meat without any real science, and it's just bizarre. Uh, I, I wouldn't flush the whole concept, but one has to say, if it really spreads, you know, what's going to happen to animal husbandry? These people are not eating grass-fed, grass-finished uh, beef from Joe Rogan's radio show sponsor. Uh, they, they actually say that they're eating so much, they just go to the local grocery store, and they're buying kfo meat, and that means antibiotics, hormones, Uh, you know, uh, high levels of uh, L-carnitine that promote TMAO and promote inflammation, but uh, it isn't dying as quickly as it seemingly should be dying as a movement.
0: Certainly. Dr. Kahn, let's shift this to longevity in in the name of your heart. This is the whole heart solution we're going after right now. And so what, causes heart disease
1: so I mean number one heart disease is a broad term let's focus on a single term which is atherosclerotic heart disease or coronary heart disease that is your arteries I have a little model everybody knows kind of the idea your arteries are supposed to be gorgeous pipes there's 50,000 miles of arteries throughout the body Um, the lining called the endothelium fills eight tennis courts if you spread it all out. But unfortunately, um, some animals, you cannot take a dog and create a narrowing of cholesterol in the dog. They are obligate. It's actually not true. You can feed a dog a vegetarian or vegan diet, but they will not build up plaque in their arteries, uh, if you feed them an all meat diet high in effect. Humans are very different. We react in our arteries like herbivores, like a rabbit, and you feed us a high-fat diet, and we were very prone to clog up our arteries. So what causes this problem that leads to the number one killer of men and women in the United States, sometimes at age 35, sometimes at age 95, A uh, 1,000 people a day dying of that problem that are judged to be unnecessary if we could wrap around a protective program in early detection. Well, you know, the the one thing that most people feel is obligate is a high cholesterol level. You know, we know smoking triggers this problem, but if you smoke and your cholesterol is ultra low, a LDL of 50 to 70, you're still much less likely to get this than if you smoke and your cholesterol is high. We know that diabetes, high blood sugar, favors this problem. But if your blood sugar is high and your cholesterol is very low, that's not the perfect situation get rid of your diabetes by changing your diet, you're much less risk. So high LDL cholesterol, which uh, can transit through the wall of the artery and can get under the lining, the endothelium, and incite inflammation and oxidation all of a sudden you start to grow these uh, plaques in the arteries is the problem. In reality, there's 20 plus additional factors. You can have genetic influences. There's, in my Practice here in my clinic, people will know the genetics of their cardiovascular disease. They'll know if they have an odd inherited cholesterol called lipoprotein little a, homocysteine, their omega 3 levels. Uh, but you know, in the big picture, do you smoke? What's your diet like? Do you move your body? How do you manage stress? Did your brother, sister, mother, father have a heart attack or bypass or stroke at a young age? Are the key and most touchable questions. But then we can get more sophisticated. It's very rare to see somebody with this problem that after a really thorough evaluation, we can't identify one or seven different reasons that they're developing it. And you know, it's lifestyle combined with advanced lab evaluation.
0: Mm. How big a problem is heart disease?
1: It's a big problem. And you know, it's interesting. It's a it's a very odd disease. If we grab kids 20 years old in Louisiana. And we run an ultrasound in their carotid arteries, a very simple thing to do because right there under the skin, it's a big artery, easy to make an image. You'll see plaque uniformly in the South in 18-year-olds and 20-year-olds. The disease has started when they're 12 or 15, and there's even some data it might start before you're 10 years old with the obesity and the diet of many children in the United States. It's very, very sad. Never happens in native cultures till we move. KFC, McDonald's, Wendy's, Hardee's, and all into those cultures it takes about ten years, and you're going to see it: obesity, blood sugar, cholesterol, blood pressure, plaque development. But very silently and progressively, many people will start to go from healthy to you know minor to more advanced, and um, you know so it may be fifty percent of people by age forty have very easily detectable a disease in their arteries or the brain and the heart. It's totally silent. And it's not the medical model that goes to search for it. Wouldn't you rather know about an early breast cancer than a late breast cancer, an early colon cancer, and a late... Wouldn't you want to know about early atherosclerosis? But it's not in the medical model. It is increasingly creeping in, though. There's been a society formed in 2005 called the SHAPE Society, Society of Heart Attack Prevention and Eradication, that's been arguing for years, Earlier in the process, age 40, 45, do a quick CAT scan of the heart that involves no iodine, no needles, costs $100, called a coronary artery calcium scan. Tell the person at age 40 or 45, man, you're on a path for problems if you haven't had them already. There are four year olds who have had their heart Or you're on a path to rather good longevity based on a statement you are as mm-hmm. old as your arteries. You can also do it by carotid ultrasound and lab testing. but. Um, 50 percent. I see people all the time, 38, 37, 41. Their arteries are 20 years older than their birth age. And we work aggressively and it can be reversed, but it's easier to reverse it if you understand why and you catch it early.
0: Yeah, very important to to catch that early. Uh, you know what, what hit me? I was listening to something before, uh, probably about a month ago on um, the future of healthcare and AI and whatnot. And, you know, wouldn't it be crazy if they're, you know, they were talking in terms of AI, you know, if the AI could detect like the first cancer cell, uh, you know, popping up and it literally would have a 0% chance of taking over and killing you. That's how important it is to. Yeah, there is
1: is a model. I mean, there's a model that could be applied in cardiology, you know, a little grosser than that. I don't know if we can get the first. Foamy cell plaque in the aorta, but we can. I see people that one year when I check them have no evidence of any plaque with very sophisticated ultrasound, and the next year I see one and I tell them, You've got a pimple, you didn't have a pimple last year. I mean, it's like you know, you're three weeks pregnant in a 30 year process, but this is exactly the time we know to change gears and amp up diet, lifestyle, sleep, stress. You know, obviously quit smoking, maybe some natural supplements, and maybe. Uh, even prescription drugs if, if justified.
0: Right. You mentioned sleep and lifestyle and how important is sleep? Where does that rank up there with nutrition and whatnot? Um, yeah. I also, what is going on with this whole polyphasic sleep uh, BS where people sleep for, you know, three hours per day in just like 20 minute chunks all throughout? I, what What is going on? What is just sleep and lifestyle? Give me yeah, your your thoughts.
1: There, you know, there's a legitimate um, conversation if you, had, if you were forced to say what's the single biggest uh, habit to get your lifestyle around to promote health. Is it a clean, largely or completely plant-based whole food diet or is it sleep? Because the reality is sleep-deprived people, sleep, I was with a physician today in my office who rotates shifts every couple weeks, night, afternoon, morning. It's horrible for your sleep. Sleep-deprived people grab a donut. Sleep-deprived people skip the gym. Sleep-deprived people have the third drink. And um, if you you know were really well rested, you might have better judgment and resilience and discipline and you know habit control. Or is it exiting a standard Western diet and promoting a Mediterranean or Asian or uh, plant-based Blue Zone type of diet? So you could debate the two, and the reality is. You know, you want to try and, you know, conquer both habits, sleep well and eat well. uh, And it's a great combination.
0: Mm. Dr. Khan, there's something that uh, I always have trouble explaining to people that I believe you have in your book, or I read it somewhere else from you or heard it somewhere else from you. The concept of earthing, putting your bare feet on the earth, connecting your bare feet To the earth, taking those shoes and socks off. How healthy is that for you? And why? Why is it healthy?
1: Yeah, you know this is on the border of science and woo-woo, and you know woo-woo is okay, but we got to call woo-woo woo when it is. So you know, reportedly, a engineer named Clint Ober, I'm pretty sure that's his name, was sitting on a bench in Sedona, Arizona, which is a great place to sit on a bench, and noticing with his background in Natural knowledge and engineering. Every shoe, every shoe, every shoe was a rubber soled shoe, and boy, nobody wore leather shoes anymore because leather can actually communicate energy, and nobody was barefoot. And he was aware that there is a energy field from the Earth's crust that exists, and that we had insulated ourselves with the development. You know, some people say Thomas Edison is half hero, half villain because having lights twenty four seven can influence our sleep adversely, and. Maybe, the uh, you know, Converse Shoe is the other villain by making rubber soles or whoever gets uh, credit for that. Um, and he developed a theory that if you were more in contact with the electronic field at Earth's crust, it may resolve inflammation, promote good sleep. And so he developed this crazy system of putting a, a rod in the ground outside his house, literally running a wire into his house and putting a wire mesh through his sheets and blankets. So it was as if he was sleeping on the ground when he was sleeping in bed. That is now a field called earthing, and you can buy earthing sheets. They're a more sophisticated uh, generation than the crude uh, method he used. I actually have them on the bed in my house because I don't mind a little woo-woo. Uh, it's not going to electrocute me. I mean, there's probably less than 20 scientific studies. There is a book by Clint Ober and a cardiologist named Steve Sinatra. I'm pretty sure the title is earthing. There are people that will, you know, talk about their inflammation being better. Um, I don't know that it's the first thing. It's maybe number 21 a person might consider doing in, uh, you know, in daily health habit list. Uh, after a lot of other things, I put like regular sauna with more scientific support than I would over earthing. But there is also some data if you're flying like cross country or flying internationally. And if you arrive, and number one, if you'll just stare in the sun for a while, it will help reset your circadian rhythm. If you actually take your shoes off, and walk barefoot for a few minutes, assuming there's a nice grassy park that isn't covered with ice that you can do it at, and you're not going to be arrested uh, in Kiev for doing it, uh, it might help reset some of the uh, jet lag that you experience. And nobody nobody gets harmed by that stuff.
0: Certainly. This has been a very valuable conversation in the name of taking control of your health from such a a worthy such a credible resource like yourself America's Healthy Heart doc and there's so I could I could talk to you all day um but I want to be respectful of your time because I know you know my father has a doctor working those long hours and he comes home and he, d- he's, he just needs to rest and detach and so I'm going to let you detach but before I ask my final question, uh, where can people find you online where we, where can people learn more about um, the whole heart solution and taking control of their health because that's what this is about this is the message
1: yeah. So number one, I am the last patient I saw today before we started this conversation said to me, Whoa, I turned on Twitter and there's 92 comments today that you had on Twitter. So I'm pretty active on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at D-R-J-K-A-H-N, Dr. J dr j D-R-J-K-H-N, Twitter, and Instagram at Dr Joel Kahn, America's Healthy Heart.com, Facebook. But I have a website, drjoelcon.com, D-R-J-O-E-L-K-A-H-N dot com. Uh, I've written five books, The Whole Heart Solution, you mentioned. My most recent one is The Plant-Based Solution. It's a, it's a mercifully short book with a lot of recipes and a very pretty cover, but it goes through the science and the evidence that certainly for heart disease and probably for a whole lot of other medical maladies, you can certainly help yourself, if not help yourself out of the malady by shifting your diet to a whole food plant-based diet, and that's what the science is. In fact, it's the only science for heart patients. Everything else is uh, is actually bad advice. I, I think it's actually malpractice to recommend ketogenic diets and such to cardiac patients, but people do it every day in my field. And, uh, I'm the sheriff that's watching them. I'll let you know that right now.
0: <laughs> right on. Uh, Dr. Khan, my final question then, what does life beautifully designed look like to you? Mm. Deep question. I mean, I
1: think a purpose in life that you're striving for and, you know, you don't conquer, but you're striving for and achieving intermittent uh, levels of success and and uh, benefit to others. So I'm a driven human, not by garnering the largest fortune in the world. I haven't figured that one out. Uh, but by offering as much knowledge and credibility and care uh, because there's a big there's a big need for it, and I'm fired up to keep educating, educated. So to me, that's the night of my head hitting the pillow saying I spent about every ounce of energy I have trying to do something to make the world a little bit better today. And, uh, you know, got me balanced with a little bit of downtime, but in my life, about 95% on time.
0: Dr. Joel Kahn, you're the man. Thank you so Take much care. for coming on the show. Let's do
1: this again, Okay.
0: Absolutely. Oh my gosh, I want to because I have so many more talking points that I'd love to hit with you another time. We're going to. I got I got your word.
1: Okay, you got it. Take care.
0: Absolutely. Thank you. There you have it, my friends. This has been another episode of the Growth Mindset University podcast. Now, if you enjoyed this one today, I would really appreciate it if you could leave us a quick five-star rating in iTunes. All you have to do is grab your iPhone or iPad, open up the Apple Podcast app, hit the search tab, search the show, Growth My University, or just search my name, Jordan Paris. Tap the show, scroll all the way to the bottom, and then just hit that fifth star, and that helps us tremendously in ways that you could never even imagine. It means the absolute world to me when people do this, I would be eternally grateful if you do that. We're pushing a hundred ratings right now and it's really making a difference for this show. And of course, if you've not already subscribed to the show, just make sure you do that wherever you're listening to so that you don't miss that next episode. I know you're not gonna wanna miss it. And you only heard this episode today because I thought it was valuable enough to post here. So if you wanna share that value with your friends, your family, Go ahead and do that. Share this episode with them. Take a screenshot. Send it to them. Take a screenshot. Put it on your Instagram story and tag me at J underscore Paris underscore so that I know you're listening and I can get back to you and put a face to the name. Now, if you're ready to really take your life to the next level, my book is on Amazon. It is also called Growth Mindset University. It's all about how to learn anything, how to take control of your life, and how to fulfill your vision of success. And you're not just supporting me and this channel by getting this book, but you're also getting this awesome book that's going to lay out the rules and principles to design your life full of joy and fulfillment. All right. I love you all so very much. And until next time, my friends, make every day count, live to learn, and grow to give.